TV Campfire Podcast. I was like, yep, okay, so you win for the week. <laughs> <laughs> We're here. I hate to sound like a broken road. Oh, no! <laughs> We're fans. It's one of the best things on television. Oh! oh! All right, we got you a hold of Oh, no, you didn't. We talk TV. That was the best scene ever. Like, All that right, blew I'll- me away. It was absolutely amazing. I just couldn't believe it. Welcome to the show. This is podcast number 510, and I am Libby, your host, and this week we have returning guests. This is Tom, and I'm professor of communication and media studies at Palm Beach Atlantic University in Florida. This is Allison, and I write reviews for Weednopolis. This is Yusun, coming to you from Los Angeles, costume designer and TV enthusiast. Hey, this is Peter. I write for WhySoBlue.com, and I live in Hollywood. All right, let's start off with the news, guys. I have that... Lucifer's final season will premiere in September on Netflix, and I'm confused because I thought we were already watching Lucifer's final season. But okay, sure. They they, they picked up a ten episode season six when season five went so well. That's very confusing. Uh, <laughs> anyway, okay, so Star Trek Prodigy is a new animated kids series which is starring six alien kids who steal a starship, and they're guided home. By a a holographic, I want to be clear, holographic uh, or Admiral Janeway, thank you. And she she is their guide through the universe and teaching them how to fly the ship and stuff like that. They said technically it's a kid's show, but kids don't have to be the only ones who watch it. And I'm like, we'll see about that. I feel like it feels very kiddie to me. Um, So So Allison, you will not be watching. (laughs) <laughs> probably not but they're I mean, animated I mean, but they're animated the they're episode. not they're not real children it is an animated show but, so. well it's, yes but they, if they have real kid voices grown, that's a problem no it'll so. be grown people playing kids like they almost always do yes. yeah which is also which is another kind of problem altogether but you know i mean if if the casting is good and they actually have real kids that's that's another thing but anyway i'll i'll probably see the first episode at least all right uh, the Last of Us has cast Anna Torv, uh, who all of you might remember from um, uh, Fringe. Fringe, thank you. I was Fringe. like, why am I blanking on the name of her show? Uh, so Last of Us. They did not say, but they just said, because I was thinking the same thing. I was like, what woman, grown woman, is in The Last of Us? Uh, but they just said they cast Anna Torv, so I'm happy. Yay! I like her. Uh, the Dune series of the Bene Gesserit Sisterhood got a full season series pickup, and they just picked their showrunner, who is Anne Adamujan. Uh, Diane. Did I say Anne? Oh, you're right, Diane. Sorry. I can read my writing. Um, and they named a bunch of shows that she's written on, and it's, it's a nice... She, she's, she's, been a, she's been a writer on some pretty big shows, but I think... Is this her first showrunner job? Uh, I think it might be. Yeah, because they were, yeah, they were, they were very clear on quoting she'd written on all these really big shows, but they didn't say that she'd been a showrunner and she looks young on her picture, but I'm just excited. Bene Gesserit Sisterhood is awesome. So I'm really excited that they're making the series. Uh, the Anasazi, Anansi, Anansi boys, uh, from Neil Gaiman has been picked up by Amazon. So, and they said it's not connected to good to good omens at all. 
Um, even though there was a crossover character, he said he just Neil Gaiman said he just did that because you know he was writing his series. But the two series are not supposed to cross over. Um, and the good fight has been renewed for season six. All right, Tom, your news. Okie doke. Um, uh, Amazon has shelved their Tiger King project with Nicolas Cage. Aw. Proposed to star as Joe Exotic. For the first time ever, All in the Family and Mod will stream on Amazon's IMDb TV. AMC reached a $200 million settlement with Frank Darabont and other Walking Dead profit participants. I was shocked that they actually released the amount, because usually they say undisclosed amount, but they said it. Uh, AMC also assigned Alan Taylor from Mad Men and Game of Thrones to direct episodes of Interview with the Vampire series coming up. Uh, the WeWork limited series on Apple TV Plus has added America Ferreira. Madeline Mantock from Charm, she's one of the sisters, is exiting after three seasons. Uh oh, which one is which yeah, one? They, which one she's is she? The, she's the oldest sister, the one who's the in one, love the only one that's a good actor, the, the only interesting one. Yes, they got rid of her. I watched the finale <laughs> well, well, a couple of days ago. And, why did they yeah. get rid of her? Did they say why they got rid of her? I assume it's because she wanted to leave to go to another show, or just didn't want to go. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It sounds like. I skimmed an article on TV line that it's a very difficult decision for me. Mm-hmm. But yeah. bear in mind, when somebody leaves a show, it's because they want off, the producers want them, and cast want them gone, or it's show line, or storyline dictated. So yeah, that sounds, it, it sounds like, like she just got a better deal on another show. She's a better. Way. She's the only good actor. On, well, oh, so oh, is the yeah. white lighter guy. The white lighter's good. Well, too. yes. But yeah, other Rupert than that, the great. two younger sisters are terrible. I guess I'm done watching that show. Okay. <laughs> um, and um, Loki season two was announced during the closing credits of Loki season one's finale. However, director Kate Heron is not returning for season two due to other commitments. HBO announced that they gained 2.8 million subscribers in quarter two, and they've raised their uh, goal for the end of the year. HBO Max and Warner Brothers is going to produce at least 25. I think it was 20 films for, for HBO Max, including ba- the Batgirl film starring Leslie Grace from In the Heights. Vulture is reporting that Michael B. Jordan is developing a black Superman series featuring Calvin Ellis, a.k.a. President Superman from Earth-23, with J.J. Abrams executive producing. I couldn't second source that, so, you know, it's worth... <laughs> it's worth the I interest. thought it was going to be a movie. I'm very confused. Well, this is separate from the movie. Okay. The movie being being um, written by Tanahisi Coates, which is goofy because I don't know. Warner's doesn't. Somebody needs to just like take the DC characters from Warner's. It's just like give them a big wad of cash, Amazon. I'm talking to you, <laughs> and just just buy them out because Warner's what they've done with them is criminal. Um, Nicole Ari Parker, Sarita Chowdhury, and Karen Pittman are joining the cast of. And just like that, the Sex and the City revival. So that means that Carrie will have some friends of color. Um, NBC may uncancel Manifest because it's doing really well on Netflix. So Netflix and NBC are conspiring. Well, because I heard that Netflix might pick it up. It's a terrible show. Oh, I know. Awful. Awful. Okay. Law and Order for the Defense is not moving forward. Chung, chung. Um... Netflix has extended and expanded its animated licensing deal with Universal. 
Michelle Monaghan is going to play twins in a psychological thriller limited series called Echoes. Anthony Mackie, David Harbour, and Jamie Diallo are going to star in a family adventure, We Have a Ghost. And because nobody asked for it, Paramount Plus is giving it to you anyway. They picked up a second season of the iCarly revival. I don't know why. I watched the first episode. And I'm like, I don't get it. Whatever. It's not. Uh, it's show- apparently not for you. <clears throat> Showtime has inked a deal with uh, L Word Generation Q showrunner Marsha Lewis Ryan, and Jennifer Carpenter is reprising her role for the Dexter revival, even though the character. I was died. like, I was like, didn't Dexter kill her in the finale? I'm sure um, she'll show up as a ghost or something or whatever. Oh, that's right. The dad was dead for the whole series, and he was there all the yeah, time. Yeah, that's a he good kept point. Seeing him, so it's yeah. a good point. Good point. All right. Well, let's uh, move on to the. Hey, sh- and, uh, I just sorry, just for a second, um, I, because you talked about The Last of Us. So, yes. Yeah, so Anna Torb is playing Tess, um, which is a really cool role. Although Amy uh, Amy Schwering, she actually originated that role in the game. She was she's was in twenty four. Kind of surprised they didn't just keep her. Um, but I'm really happy about Anna Torv. The other thing is that the woman playing Marlene is the same person from the game, Merle Dandridge, who's been in a bunch of stuff. Um, so that's kind of cool. Kind of like how Katie Sackoff. Yeah, I got to play her and, character. Right. Sort of, right. So that is cool that um, Merle Dandridge is reprising her role. I'm just surprised the woman from 24 didn't, uh, maybe she didn't want to do it or something, but I, I mean, Anna Torb's awesome. So that's a really, I can totally see her as that character. So I'm sorry, gonna... about, I just started, I just started looking once you mentioned the news about the last of us. I made okay. a typo in my notes. It's 10 film, at least 10 films that, uh, that Warner brothers is going to produce for HBO max. Okay. Uh, all right. That seems to be the thing that everybody's doing. That's just more work for me. So I appreciate it. Uh, let's start off with the shows. First up, we're going to talk about the Loki season one finale, which is called the sometime always wait forever. Always. What is it? I forgot. It was really Um, cool. For all time. For all time. Always. Always. Yes. Because when they did it, I was like, I like that. That's a pretty cool saying. That's their slogan. I know. In a culty way. I was like, I like it. Um... But this episode really, I didn't realize that uh, Mobius's boss, what is her name? Something Slayer, something. Uh, oh, Rin Slayer. Rin I didn't realize she was a bigger Marvel character or I just thought she was a, a paper pusher. Uh, but they're setting her up to be a much bigger character, which I also yeah. think is cool. And... I have to say, when they got into the room with the man at the end, no, the man, he who he remains, he who he remains, when they get into the room with him and he starts, like, being super verbose and, like, explaining everything, I was like, so we're just gonna talk for the finale? Like, I was, I was kind of confused by it, but I have to say, it still was good, like, his explanation, I was like, oh, I didn't know that. And, ooh, okay, that was interesting. And so all the stuff that they actually explained was really, really cool. And then, though I have to say, I had to watch one of the videos after the fact to find out who his character really is. Well, that's kind of a trick question because that character has many variations. variations. Yeah, he's very variant. So 
<laughs> yeah, I know, but I didn't know what one of the one of the variants was like a really big bad guy. I did not know that. So, yeah, he references it actually. He he gives it a little hint when he says, "Well, I've gone by many names," and he he goes, "Yeah, but I didn't know any of the names." Oh, he yeah. said the conqueror. Yeah, he said conqueror was one of them. Yeah, so he does reference it, and then the statue that you see at the end is pretty much Kang. Well, conqueror. I mean, I I didn't know, and then and then I saw the special. I was like, "Oh, that's cool." Uh, now I'm excited. Well, you know, he's he's the best. He- there's speculation he might be the big bad for all of Phase Four. Right, right. But we do know for a fact that he is definitely the antagonist for Ant Man and the Wasp. Yes. Nice. So. Yeah. I mean, they've, they've basically it's... woven so much of this this series. It's really like, dude, if you don't watch the, the TV MCU. shows, yeah, seriously, yeah, you're gonna be out of it if you if you didn't yeah. watch this because pretty much. They they created the multiverse in Loki, and right. that's what they're going to be going with for for, for a know, while. so many movies to come. Right. So that's that impressed me that they were willing to do that. Well, well they're if like, y'all hear, if y'all want to hear something really crazy, evidently, if you sync up the ends of the finale of Loki and Scarlet that. Witch, or sorry, WandaVision, they mesh. What do you almost. mean? Oh yeah, I heard that. If you the, think the, the I think it's a yeah at a certain time it's like you can play the 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 uh, the images side by side and when he who remains starts to notice that the multiverse is now coming into being that it's dividing um, it's it syncs up exactly with the moment that Wanda starts using her powers to to the nth degree in the last episode of WandaVision. It's at twenty seven okay. time code twenty seven fifty five in the respective episodes. Yeah, it's kind of wild because we've got a lot of nerdy fanboys and girls. I was like, there. who the <laughs> heck decided to figure that out? <laughs> like, what happens if I play these episodes side by side? No, that's not a normal <laughs> thing to think of. Um, the same, the same kind of thing as the person who counted how many times Loki flips his hair. Well, that that's hilarious, though. How many times was that? It's like 27 or something. It's really high. It's a really high number. And then somebody strung it out in a video clip, and it's hilarious. Uh, but story-wise, I love that Loki and Sylvie disagree at the end, and it's like they don't exactly betray betray each other, but they have a fundamental difference in philosophy. Well, he says I definitely it. love that. Yeah, I love that line where he said that, you know, you can't trust and I can't be trusted or something like that. Yeah, I don't right, know. right. Exactly. I thought that was, you know, deep. I mean, for a show like this, um, I I just want to jump in because I probably I'm pretty sure I'm the one that likes Loki least does not mean I didn't like it does not mean I didn't like it. Um, but out of everybody. So I just want to say that. um I think that I agree with you, Libya, that um, that, uh, you know, the info dump worried me. You know what I mean? And I thought, well, this is wholly unoriginal. And I was like, I don't know if this is for the people who haven't been watching the show. Um, And then, you know, they're like, we're just going to catch you up and then we're going to tell you what's kind of coming coming forward. Um, But I agree with you. I like the casting of I don't know his name, John. Yeah. Jonathan yeah, Majors in Lovecraft Country. He was amazing yeah, in Lovecraft Country. Exactly. So you know, I I like the casting of him. I think it will be. You know, he gave a certain whimsy is the wrong word, but I I like that there was a duality there. You know, um, 
he, he was sort of like light and sort of like the wizard at the end. No, the wizard was actually kind of um, neurotic. Anyway, the point is uh, I can I can definitely see him being menacing, you know, which uh, obviously setting it up. But I liked his energy at the end. Um, so, you know, here's the thing. I think I I liked Loki well enough. And I know Libya will yell at me for saying this, but I really because it was sort of a two parter for me. Uh, um uh, sorry, Allison mentioned that the the behind the scenes making of the assembled or whatever. Yeah. Um, I love that as well. I really kind of thought that it was like a double not, you know, it was definitely a companion piece that I think really added to me to the finale. You know, it kind of sort of fleshed it out even more. And props, I gotta say it. This is this is definitely uh, I have a dog in the race. Um, I. I love that they spend a lot of time with the costume designer uh, kind of explaining everything because that also kind of gave me depth for, you know, the whole series. Um, So in general, I just want to say, because this is a finale, I definitely enjoyed it. I think the thing I liked most, we've already kind of mentioned that it's really setting up, you know, phase four and the whole multiverse. So um, I am excited. Also, I'm excited to see what they do with season two, but it'll be really interesting to see how they, you know, uh, mesh that in with the movies because there's a whole second series so i mean that's going to be complicated i think but right. you know interesting tom yeah but he had, he, had, he yeah, raised his tom. hand <laughs> <laughs> the the interesting thing is that um if you look at what at Jonathan Major's performance, I was talking to an actor friend of mine who said it was like a master class in acting you got to remember one he was done with that job he was trying to recruit them to replace him, but he also knew that being killed was a distinct possibility, but he tells them of the habits. So it's it, obviously they recall the Wizard of this, Oz in this in the previous episode, but it has this dark twist to it. Um, also, the version of Kang that they were going for is basically Immortus based on the costume. Because again, Kang, Kang's got many incarnations in the official in in the Marvel Comics universe. But yeah, it's going to be interesting because he's like, the whole see you soon as he's dying? Yeah. That was creepy. Yeah. And, and the look on Sylvie's face, my, my friend told me about this and I looked at it the second time I watched the episode. When Sylvie kills him, notice how she falls to the floor realizing like many people who think they're going to get some kind of closure when they wreak vengeance or revenge, it did nothing right. to help her immediate circumstance. And she fr- and she literally fractured time further. So, yeah, I'm in. Uh, you know, it was a little expository, but I didn't mind because basically, you know, we're in the this was we're in the early phases, early stages of phase four. But they're laying the groundwork because from what we suspect that Spider-Man No Way Home's going to deal with the multiverse. We know that Doctor Strange is the multiverse of madness. It's in the title. Yeah. And, you know, so, and then Quantum Mania. So it'll be really interesting to see when this next season of Loki goes. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I was really, I, I, I personally loved how they, they did the ending of this because I think everybody was expecting some big battle scene, some, you know, big super special effects laden thing that ha- that happens at the end. And that was really like the penultimate episode. That's that we got that there. And this, it was, it was just, it was great to see really good actors doing really good acting and in, in 
a room together, just three people talking. And that took some guts to do that. And I thought it was brilliant. And I, and especially I loved, I think the, the, the journey that they took Loki on from the beginning of the series all the way to the end, you, they, they had the onus of trying to get him as developed as he was through a series of movies previously and trying to get him to a point where he, you could believe in him as, as a heroic character, you know, at least an anti-hero, if not outright heroic. And he notices that darkness in himself, you know, which leads to that line that Yusin brought up. Um, you know, you can't trust me and I can't be trusted. So he has this level of self-awareness that's, that's really good. And I think will play in to even more development of his character. And, and I think, you know, between that and getting to see the, the development of the, of the relationship between him and, and Mobius, um, cause you know, oh, it was heartbreaking open. when they don't, when he doesn't remember him. Well, oh, that was crushing. I know. I know. Um, but I was yeah. just like, oh, all this friendship build up. And then he's now got to start all over again. Well, oh. maybe or he's got to track down the, 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 correct the dimension mode. he came from. Right. Uh, right. Because there's that Mobius is still out there. We got that scene where they're looking at the diverging timelines right. on the monitor. And he says glorious purpose. Right. As he's looking at it. And he would not say that if he didn't know Loki. So we're getting the old Mobius in that scene. And it's not until Loki goes, you know, looking for him that we realize he's been dumped in the wrong timeline. Correct. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think that part of it, I don't think he's going to necessarily develop a relationship with this new Mobius. But he's going to try to find his way back to, to the timeline that he came from. Um, because Mobius, that Mobius is going to be looking for him, I would assume. Right. Uh, but all of that and getting to see Jonathan Majors play different versions of this character. Um, it just all is very exciting to me. I thought... I, thought it was great just super thumbs up from me all right well we need to move on uh next up we're going to talk about smigadoon we're talking about the first two episodes that dropped on apple tv plus and i will start the caution if you do not like musicals you will not (laughs) like smigadoon so i'm gonna start that off right now so not for everybody not for everybody you like musicals and if you like musicals i don't know how you can't like schmigadoon yes exactly uh so i will say start off i like musicals so therefore schmigadoon got right uh, at the key moment key point for me it had good casting good music good songs uh i like the conflict which is you can you're stuck in schmigadoon until you find true love uh, and then once you do that, then you could escape. But I was like, their logic on how they're trying to find true love was just bizarre. And <laughs> just people just breaking out in song and, and they all have like musical logic. So the people that they meet in the town don't act like regular people. They act like people from a musical. So it's like she's having a conversation with the guy and he's randomly talking about things. She's like, wait, are we talking about the same thing? So all of that I thought was great. And I think the two main characters are obviously good. And and Keegan-Michael Key, he just plays like in this show. I mean, I kind of get where he's coming from, but he's kind of a jerk. I really I'm not a fan of his character on this one. I think that's the point, though. He is supposed to be a jerk. And we're waiting for the moment that he finally comes into, you know, appreciating this or falling in love. And nope. he finally gets to sing. <laughs> um, but that's, because that's, that's not happening yet. 
That's true. Well, it's not ha- no, it probably won't happen until much further on, maybe the last right. ep- episode of right. the season. But um, uh, yeah, you don't you don't cast Keegle, Keegan Michael Key and then say he doesn't sing, because um, I'm I'm waiting for that moment. It's like uh, Christian Chenoweth still hasn't. Oh, that's true. Him. She hasn't sung yet. Musical. Yeah, that's so bizarre. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that those are moments I'm waiting for. But I I just loved everything about this series so far. The the like you said, the casting was absolutely brilliant. And the way everybody plays their role with just such an absolute knowledge of the of the style that they're doing and the type of character that they're doing and the kind of acting that it's is required for this is just wonderful. I I mean you know it was I loved all the songs that are maybe three notes off and a song that you know of you know like Schmigadoon, yeah. Oklahoma, but you know three notes off. And, you know, you've, you've got that all the way through. It's just, it's, you know, guess the reference that we're doing all, all <laughs> through the series. Um, but I thought it was, I thought it was just hilarious. And especially the little asides that you get through the song from, from the two of them as, because it's, you know, when, when you're watching a musical, even when you love musicals, you've still got this little running dialogue in your head that criticizes the complete bizarro logic of of everything you're watching and they get to voice all of that you know all the well, what the hell kind of reactions they they get to they get to give you so i i thought it was i i, I am so in love with this series it was just so yeah. random by the way I, to have martin short be the leprechaun i just want to point that out but but yet so right but yet so right i yes. don't know if he was actually credited was he i don't think yeah he was, was. he was he was in the credits yeah. the main title credits yeah. Oh, okay. I, I, I must have missed that because because let me just say that and I checked four times. They must have made a mistake because in the first episode, and I'm not wrong about this, they forgot to give a credit to the costume designer because obviously after I watched the first episode, I was like, who's costuming this? Because, you know, I haven't been deep in the business for a while now, so I have no idea who's doing what. Uh, you know, and, you know, people talk, you know, when you're in the business, who's got this and who got that. So I had no idea. Uh, and I didn't recognize her name. But anyway, I, ke- I kept looking and rewinding and rewinding. And then clearly in the second one, they somebody must have been like, we forgot her. You know, it was like huge title, whatever. So I'll start there by saying a classic, you know, uh, it's not that complicated to do. Uh, you know, uh, an homage kind of Brigadoon uh, slash musical homage costuming wise, Um, you know, but it doesn't need to be innovative. It actually needs to be an homage. You know, um, the colors are bright. Uh, You know, everything looks the way it's supposed to. You know, I noticed because this is my job. um, Half the ladies were wearing boots. You know, the other were were wearing character shoes. So like uh, these were all Everything was down to the shoes is what I'm trying to say. The ladies were wearing pantaloons, you know, so all of it was just very appropriate. I, it wasn't amazing or anything, but nothing stuck out. And, you know, so I thought that was great because that's what you want. You want the perfect kind of homage uh, to jump off of what Allison said. Uh, I loved how it worked on two levels. You know what I mean? Like, yes, of course, you definitely need to love musicals or like them a lot. 
But the sardonic kind of, you know, reference to the anachronisms of, of musicals and stuff. When I watched musicals when I was younger, um, I didn't have the, uh, you know, the, the side thoughts. I didn't whatever. I just bought into all of it. You knew what you were watching. It's magical. It's whatever. But yes, as a jaded, tired, old lady who like we all live in a world where everything is meta um, they lean into it, you know, and so you kind of have to have that. I think for the modern viewer, especially if you didn't grow up on musicals, um, you know, and kind of get introduced as a kid, uh, you do. You have to bring in the the modern, maybe people who don't hate musicals, you know, but don't love them. They'll grab onto that, you know, and the cop commentary about the sexism and the, you know, this and the that. That's, you know, even the, the gay reference, you know, of just latent, you know, not latent, but hidden kind of, well, I guess, latent homosexuality, all of it. So they definitely poke fun at every single musical trope or most of them. Um, and I just want to say I'm so happy that, um, what's her name, Cicely? Cicely? Cicely Strong. Strong. You know, um, she's very talented, and I've always felt like she's a solid rock uh, on SNL, and she is an excellent singer, and I mean that on SNL. So I'm really happy that she gets to have a part as a lead and gets to really utilize, you know, her, like, her musical talents. I mean, it's not like she broke out into, you know, great big songs, but anyway, the point is I'm on board fully, you know, I think they do a beautiful job of sending up, but also giving a great big hug and kiss to musicals. So it's a lot, a lot of fun. I've never been a huge Cecily Strong fan, so I came into this a little tentative. Mm. She's winning me over, but uh, I, I want to second pretty much everything everybody else has said. I don't know. Just something about her. She obviously physically and style bears a slight resemblance to Tina Fey, but yeah, uh, well. she's actually a producer on this, which means she's involved with with the content. But no, it's good, and you can't say it's like everything else on TV because it's yeah. very, very <laughs> different. We got we really got to wrap this up because we're going way behind schedule. We got to move faster on the rest of these shows, so let's let's pick up the pace a little bit. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about the season finale of Generation, which we didn't get to talk about last time. And it was a series of, I like that we start off at a party, but we like hand off different conversations because people will like bump into somebody. And then when they bump into them, the camera now is following the other person. So we were being passed the baton between several very emotional conversations that were happening. And I'm actually glad, by the way, that the parents decided to break up because I was like, wow, that marriage has problems. She's kind of awful. She oh, really she is. Works. And I think the husband the husband was like, what am I doing with this person? You know? Yeah. And long, it's, it's long overdue, really. Yeah. I think I he was fooling himself. Yes. I told you that this thing that Chester and Nathan and the other dude were playing, that, that was not going to end well. Oh, I didn't disagree. But Chester is the one who, get, who gets the real short end of that stick. Well, I think that Bo was right and wrong. I think Bo was right in that part of what Chester liked about Bo was how much Bo liked Chester. But I also think that Bo sabotaged the relationship as well because he was like, you're too good for me. Why are you with me? So you shouldn't be with me. So I'm going to break up with you before you break up with me, which is ridiculous logic. 
because I actually yeah, thought they were have that logic. I know, but I actually thought they made a good couple. I like them together. Uh, and I give points to Nathan for being strong in a situation where I was like, Nathan, I was yelling at the screen. I was like, Nathan, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> and I mean, I understood the temptation and he's a teenage boy. So like I get all that, but he would have got his heart crushed. He would have been crushed. Oh yeah. And it was a good call on his part to walk away. But I also understand why Chester would have done that and why he was miserable at the end of the night. Like I get all of those things. Mm -hmm. So I didn't really blame anybody. Uh, but yes, my bet in case you didn't the end call, my bet is that it's Sam that showed up. I I, I would agree with you. I agree with you. All right, Allison, go ahead. What'd you think? I, no, I thought it was a, a really solid ending. And uh, this, as far as the relationship between Bo and Chester goes, I also thought it was it was just kind of going to end nowhere. Um, they're two, I, you know, I, I think they're both nice people, but they're two very, very different people. Different. And Bo was never comfortable with that. I mean, right from the get-go and every time they try to, you know, be together again you you just feel this pulling away and i think i think part of the attraction frankly for that chester had for Bo is that he was so different and he was so like boring and normal um because i think what he was going for was he wanted a guy who was mature as a replacement for sam he was looking for someone who was who had that mature kind of boring adult vibe and and he he found that sort of in in bow I, really, I didn't see it that of. way but i agree um, his real he was really in love with sam i would agree yes. with that um, and i think bow is the closest he could get he, he it was like the 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 stodginess in place of maturity um that i think he was that was the attraction there um so I, I just never thought it was it was going to end particularly well and i was I surprised actually was... that it was I like. I think Bo was just charming. I really liked him. But anyway. But I thought I thought he was charming in a way that was not compatible with Chester because they're just so opposite. And Bo, I mean, the, the at least the way they played it, certainly, I never felt Bo was comfortable with that. It's like he was comfortable with Chester if he was away from everything else. You know, is it, is it wrong that I cheer that I the whole time that Chester was angsting after? Sam that I was kind of on board with that it feels weird but I kind of was I'm sorry I was on board and, and it's just like I mean he only has what six months before he's 18 I'm like wait just guys just chill yeah but professionally <laughs> it's, it's, I mean it's he's... not the age thing though it's the position yeah. that's true too but he's literally graduating from high school in like a few months so I was just like yeah, just but he's chill his counselor and, wait. and that is I know so I yeah. know but I still There's like it there is a weird, icky flip side to this on the new Gossip Girl, but we won't go there. Okay. But, There's a parallel situation. Ugh. Yeah. I don't know why I'm okay with this one. I think part of it is the actor that plays Chester is an older... You can tell he's older. He doesn't feel like a high school student. I think that's True. part of it. Uh, he doesn't look like a high school student, really, to me. And so... They, when I see them side by side, they feel more like a compatible couple. Um, but you're right. Even if they were adults and uh, Sam was still counseling, it's still not cool. Yeah, it would not be. No. I know. All right. We need to keep moving if it, uh, on because we're we got to keep going. Uh, next up, I'm going to talk about Superman and Lois. 
And we have episode 12 and 13. And episode 12 was kind of like the almost, it felt like almost the season finale where you have uh, uh, Clark has gotten the personality of Zod in him and it's taking over and they're coming up with plans to kill him. And Lois is like, no, don't kill my love for no reason other than you're my dad. You can't kill my husband and you're my ex in an alternate reality. So don't kill my husband. <laughs> that was, that was really what she was going for in both uh, times she was pleading, but she didn't, she didn't have any reason other than she didn't want them to kill her husband. Like her logic, like I totally understood both guys. They were like, yes, we get it. You love your husband, but he might destroy the world, you know? So, uh, I thought all of that was, that was kind of interesting, but not, but I did feel that it was shady that the dad went to uh, Diggle and lied to him. Like that wasn't cool. I was not happy with how they used Diggle in this episode. Cause he didn't pay off. Yeah. He didn't do anything. I know. It's yeah. just like, why, if, if you're going to bring back this beloved character from Arrow for, you know, for a handful of episodes, make it mean something. And right now we're 0 for 4. Yeah. I think they're just going, remember, all these universes are in the same universe. That's really what they're doing. Uh, that's yeah, pretty, that's because uh, somebody. Yeah, it felt like that. Yeah. It definitely felt like that. Somebody it's one told... of those things that remind you it's a Berlanti show. Yes. <laughs> they basically were like, hey, we're all in the same Arrow universe together. You should be watching all the other Berlanti shows. So. <laughs> Uh, and then episode 13 was after, you know, he doesn't get killed and remembers who he is. Yay. Cause he's Superman. Uh, they capture the bad guy. They, he abuses himself with looks like all the personalities from Krypton and they sit him in a cell for the whole episode. And we, the thing that was weird was we kept, there were things going on and uh, in Smallville, but we kept flashing back to him in the cell. That I was like, "What are we doing? This is boring." Like I didn't like episode thirteen as much. I thought twelve was really well done, but I thought thirteen was kind of eh, it was all right. I suspect thirteen was one of those. Hey, we got two new episodes. Let's throw in a couple of filler episodes before we get to the real stuff. And that's what it felt like. It very much felt like a filler. Yeah, and besides, who who was watching this? Just counting the seconds for when for when. Uh, oh God! What's his name? The bad guy was going to escape. Uh, I keep thinking Edge. Zod, but he's Edge. Edge. Morgan Edge. Morgan Edge. Yeah, Edge. Morgan Edge. yeah I just. I, I mean, you, what you is know his he's... real name? Because his real name is obviously not Morgan Edge. Uh, I forget. I forget. I forget. Point, they tell us. I, I don't remember. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's like silly. It's like I'm looking at him in this little green box and I'm thinking, you know, okay, he's going to be out in three, two. Yeah. yeah. You know? and, <laughs> yeah. and he gets out exactly the way that, that you'd expect him to. It's, totally. you know, this is supposed to contain him and, and it doesn't contain him for so much as a day. Um, you know, it's, it, I, it was like you said, a transition episode. We're just getting from point A to point B. Um, and unfortunately we had to go via point see and, and i have to say the so fireman's family storyline is the most boring storyline in the entire and, and it's never been them. interesting i mean i don't hate it but no I it is kind of do favorite it you know i i fine yeah i kind of but i will say that this <laughs> is probably i was just trying to be kind of nice um which i i i'm not always 
I um yeah, and I didn't I didn't like any of the storylines. Even like the girl who who befriends you know Jonathan, and he thinks he finally might have like a play on a girlfriend, and then she you know he's all like, oh, you're just she's pumping me for information. And there wasn't it didn't even seem like for nefarious reasons. She wasn't like a spy. She's just, yeah, she's just trying to be popular at school. Yeah, yeah, and like you know, and pump you know pumping for information. And I was just like, none of this matters. I think this was absolutely uh you know. Uh, a filler episode uh, for sure. And it was my least favorite of the season and none of it mattered. And also, and also the scene where uh, the only thing I'll say, cause everybody said everything um, was the scene where she, um, the the editor of the small town newspaper. Oh, got my, like, mad at Lana. You gotta leave. Or, you know, or, or, I I was like, this is Lois Lane. Who are you? You don't fire her. Maybe you get a little <laughs> angry at her. But I was like, what? I was like, that's not believable. Yeah, I mean, she's not only just her her star reporter. She's her only only reporter, reporter right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. So I thought that was also just pushing. Yeah, I this didn't hit on any level for me, no. and I really like the show. Yeah. This this is a struggle. Uh, let's move on because there's nothing really to say good about that episode. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about the mysterious Benedict Society. And this was the episode where they introduced the idea of the Whisperer, which is they've they just made uh, Rennie and Sticky uh, messengers. Rainy. Huh? Rainy. Rainy. What I call them? Rainy? Rainy. <laughs> they made the messengers. And at first, you're thinking, think of these messenger bags, you're thinking they're going to have to relay messages, but they literally are relaying messages to everyone in the world through this Whisperer thing. And what I thought was interesting was that Rainy resisted the Whisperer, and and Sticky just opened up his mind and let the Whisperer in, and now he's all he's all brainwashed, and uh, I don't know what's another word, they Kool-Aid drinking, that's what they said. <laughs> Yeah, so I I didn't want the one story that I didn't understand is why is Mulligan at the bottom of the sea in a broken Oh in the in the sub? Yeah, the broken <laughs> sub. I was like, what was that storyline about? That was so strange. Well, he's supposed to use the sub to rescue the kid, so Right, but obviously the sub had problems and didn't was not seaworthy. And so we watched the entire episode as the sub slowly breaks down and crashes to the bottom of the ocean, and I was like Okay, what? Like well, the, that was that was weird. The bank of undersea uh, windmill thingies didn't, <laughs> didn't help either. Uh, but I did think that I felt bad for Rainy, and I felt bad for the kid that was supposed to be his new friend that he was obviously lying to. I thought he was a terrible spy. He was like, "So where's this forest that you want?" That you go to, can we go there now? Uh, you shouldn't listen to your dad. You should do what you want. And I was like, wow, dude, you suck at espionage. What 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 do you think of the backstory of the twins? It makes sense. I mean, considering their adult personalities, I buy it. <laughs> Basically, uh, I I like when Benedict tells when when he when he tells the others, it's like I lied. I wanted quiet, <laughs> <laughs> and my brother was too loud. Um, but it that it is jacked up to leave your twin brother in an orphanage because you want some peace and quiet. That but you're a kid, you don't really have a say. I know, but the, his point—that's true. He, I don't think that even if he said that he wanted his brother, that they would have adopted him because they had already they had already decided that that kid was way too loud for them. 
But I think it was the fact that he didn't try. I think that is what is eating at him. Um, I don't think trying would have changed the outcome, but the fact that he didn't try. Uh, but I, I don't think that justifies the other twin deciding, deciding to rule the world. <laughs> I, I feel like that's a little extreme reaction to that situation. So, there it you is go. Fantasy. <laughs> it is. I enjoyed the two episodes, but I'm kind of annoyed that they made Sticky the weak link. I, I don't like that. And he's being all aggressive with the rest of the team because they want to do the right thing. And he's like, no, you can't destroy the machine. You're the ones that are mad now that I'm not all timid anymore. And I'm just like, dude, like, I don't, I don't really like that. But it's really interesting, the subtle brainwashing that uh, uh, the evil twin is doing on him, not using the machine. Yeah, never just talking to him. Yeah. Never thank people for your own accomplishment. I mean, it's always, int- I mean, I've been teaching for 22 years. It's always interesting when you compliment a student and how they react to it. Because the ones who are arrogant are like, I am good, aren't I? It's like, ooh. <laughs> um, but I also felt bad for Kate because she was trying to I steal that Kate. key. Yeah, <laughs> but then, awesome. yeah, Kate's great, but she was trying to steal the key and she realizes that the girl she was stealing from was actually a halfway decent person. And she was like, oh, you did this for me. That was actually really nice. Like, okay. So that part was cool, too. Uh, But yeah, I just don't like the sticky sticky aspect of it. Uh, The manipulation of him. It's just, I mean, he's a kid. And and an adult manipulating him, he's at a, you know, disadvantage. I get that. But Rainey feels like he's, he's smart enough to see it. And sidestep it, but Sticky isn't, so, mm, I don't know. And they did say that they're smart in different ways, but I still find that that's a little annoying. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, Next up, we're going to talk about Bad Batch. And let's talk... Do we have to? (laughs) Ah, yes. Yawn, yawn, yawn. Yes, I w- I'll let's, take a let's... nap like I did the second, the first time I watched ep- this week's episode. Yeah, this week's episode was a snooze fest, but I was like, why don't we talk about the Hera one just a little bit, which is part two, because we we did the Hera one where we see her parents get arrested, and then the next episode they actually uh, get rescued by the bat. The bad batch are actually in the episode, yay, and they're <laughs> the ones that rescue her parents. And you see the whole plot of that, but it really only works if you as a viewer have seen Rebels and know who Hera is, and you're invested in Hera. Hera? Who is Hera? For our viewers and for me, I mean, for our listeners (laughs) and me, who is Hera? Hera, if you watch uh, Star Wars Rebels, Hera is the commander of the Rebels. That rebel unit that we're following, she is in command of it. Uh, and they've had a couple of episodes where we've seen her backstory and we know that her parents were arrested and labeled criminals and that she, she used to be kind of royalty and she got kicked out of her home because there's an episode where she basically breaks back into her childhood home to get an heirloom or something from her family. And so we got a lot of her backstory in that episode and this two-parter basically shows all the things that happened that informed that 
that episode. So Hera as okay. as a character is is she's always really she's a very strong leader and she's an amazing pilot and that's pretty much her main attributes and and then there's like a romance between her and one of the other characters. But I really like Hera's character and to see her as a kid is strange but kind of cool. And she has a sassy droid. <laughs> yes, her droid Chopper. Chopper's hilarious. Um <laughs> And a so, bit of a douche sometimes in Yes, Rebels. that's true, too. So I, I noticed that he's more so on the show than he even was on the flashback. I was like, oh, he got more of a jerk. Yeah. So I just want to say, I just want to say that, because it's the only thing I can say about the show, and I've mentioned it off podcast, um, it has absolutely turned into not must-watch TV for me. And it's a, it, I would, it would be a Cinderella show where I like do laundry and chores. But the only thing going for it for me now is it's still really beautiful to look at. The animation is crisp and clean and, you know, it just, I mean, it's, it is beautiful. So I sit down and maybe I look at my phone, you know, and I, you know, cause I have to like be in front of the TV to enjoy it. But if we weren't close to the end, I think I would probably bail. I mean, it absolutely, Libya is like you said, Mandalorian, you know, put to, you know, animated, whatever glory. And at least it's really pretty to look at. That's all I got to say. No, that's about right. All right. Yeah. Well, let's move on. I don't have any real, there's nothing more to really say about it. Uh, let's move on to a better show. Next up, we're going to talk about Masters of the Universe. What is it? Revelation? Revolution? Revelation. Revelation. Which is, I'm not sure what the revelation is. Maybe we'll find that out later. But um, I, we're going to talk about the first two episodes only. And I will say right out of the box, what's cool is if you were a fan of He-Man back in the day, this is like a continuation. It's like Finish watching, you know, if you finish watching He-Man, the series, this is like a couple, it's supposed to be like a year or two later or something. And it's very much just like all the information you knew back then and go. And I like that aspect of it. I like that Taylor finally gets made a man-at-arms. I like all of that. And then they're just like, you know what? This is called Masters of the Universe. This is not called He-Man. And they immediately kill He-Man in the first episode. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I thought I was tripping. I yeah. was like, what's happening? What's happening? And I, I did not see that coming at all. And that was fantastic. It's not that I don't like He-Man because I love He-Man. But I was like, oh, you guys really did something unexpected and I'm here for it. So, And, and what's really effed up is when they kill He-Man... That's when Tila finds out that Prince Adam and He Man are the, the same, same person. person. Right. Yeah, and that's a real. Yeah, she's like the, she's the only one aside from the king who doesn't know. It's right. Like everybody knows. Right. Even the weird little magic creature imp thing, Orko. Yeah, that was that was messed up. But and also considering her relationship with Adam, because they have yeah. like a semi romance thing happening. Will they? Won't they? And uh, the fact that she was like, you didn't trust me. Like, that's what it feels like for her. And I get it. I did think her quitting her man-at-arms position was a little... I thought it was dramatic. I, I felt like that was a little fight. dramatic for the yeah, reaction to what happened. Yeah, yeah, I was like, eh, sure. I, I feel like you went too... I, I, Go ahead. 
I want to bring the perspective of someone who who he man. I was just a hair too old for it when I think it aired live. I was a kid, um, and I did wa- still watch animated stuff. Uh, probably stopped watching Saturday morning cartoons, but still was into it. So here, for someone who was aware of He-Man, probably watched it without much interest. Um, I, you know, tuned in because you guys said to, and um, and you guys had kind of prepped me for it being really good. So when it started, I, I thought it was a bold and interesting choice to, you know, off Skeletor and He-Man. And, and, I, and I really was like, what, how, where is this going? How is this going to work? And then it got weirder. Because then there was like the cult of the motherboard and there was like tech and and I was like, What am I watching? You know, and I am a fan of Kevin Smith. He's definitely kind of a, you know, sideways, out of the blue, you know, kind of a whatever guy. So knowing also that he produced it. Uh, and he's a sci-fi geek, uh, you know. Uh, he wrote the first it, episode, by the way. Exactly. So it kind of made it a little bit more, I don't, not palatable, but just I was like, okay, calm down, like you know, it's probably going somewhere. Um, so I will say that it probably made it the it made put it in a direction probably the only way that I would enjoy it because I'm not into watching Conan the Barbarian, you know, animated version with magic um as an adult so it really nice choice updating it and and you know essentially to me it's a little bit like lord of the rings where instead of their throwing away metal to melt they're forging metal you know they're on a quest and there's a group of them and they got to go to all these places and you know magic and even the like sauron with the one eye we got the dude with three eyes you know so like it's fine yeah, exactly. Triclops. So it's all fun for sure. I think it is interesting and in going in a new direction. If you weren't a huge fan of He-Man, um, you, they give you enough information. I know you were saying it's kind of a direct you know, connection, but I, I don't remember the end of He-Man and I barely watched the show. But I think we all know, you know, the basics of He-Man. So I, for, for the listeners who are kind of like, I don't care. You know what I mean? I didn't watch the show. You can definitely hop on. You can hop on, watch it, and enjoy it for all its weirdness, you know. Uh, and it's a quest. It's pretty much a quest show. And so, yeah, I like it. Definitely super weird. Was not expecting it. Um, but I will definitely – I I didn't think that I would watch more than the regulation two that you kind of – you guys were like, okay, we're going to talk. But I ended up watching a third. And if it wasn't so late, I might have watched a fourth. So, yeah, it's definitely interesting enough for sure. I want to give props to the voice talent, too, because Sarah Michelle Gellar plays Tila. She's great. And and, uh, Lena Headey plays Evelyn. Evelyn. Oh, she's great. You have have Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Cersei Lannister teaming up. (laughs) (laughs) This unwearing alliance. And And they're using a lot of characters who never made it in the original show, a lot of toys from the original. Is that the where Mr. Roboto guy came from? Because I was like, I don't remember him. He's he's who, a toy. By the way, is Justin Long? That is weird casting. I when I read that, I was like, huh? <laughs> so that, I don't know if it's inspired or not, but that was definitely out of left left field. Oh, so, yeah. Stephen Root is Cringer. Yes, yeah, it's I thought that like, was great. I love that character. I love it. So, um, yeah, it's. I mean, it's not deconstructing the original series, but it's 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 taking it in a different direction. And there have been a lot of incels complaining about having a female at the center of this first badge. Oh, of get over I it. love it. It's great. 
it's great. And you know, and Tila's tick, she has a reason to be ticked off. You know, I felt like she went a little. She went to eleven where she probably should have gone to an eight. But yes, yeah. <laughs> but uh, still, it makes it makes for good drama though. Yes. All right, we need to move on. We need to move on. Uh, so thumbs up, Masters of the Universe. Oh yeah, I really liked it. All right, next up, we're going to talk about Motherland, Fort Salem, and we got two episodes to talk about for this as well. And oh my god, go ahead, Houston. Oh you want to go first? Um, I do because I love this series. It is absolutely, uh, you know, on the top of my sort of like, oh, I can't. What are they doing next? kind of a thing every episode ends in a you know really compelling uh um uh, a cliffhanger, cliffhanger. Yeah. yeah they got that down you know what i mean and it's you know a double-edged sword because it's great but also like what what are you doing to me you know and uh this would this would be a fantastic show to just binge but they're doling it out so it's a little painful um i'll talk about all two together uh but i will just hit the highlights you know i love i'm going to talk about the beginning and the end you guys fill in the middle i love the quick you know pre pre-credits little short of the commercial where they're you know trying to um and you know get people it reminded me very much of uh, star troopers you yeah. know that like Yes, join yeah. join the army. We need you. Yeah, so I thought that was, you know, wasn't supposed to be comedic, but that made me smile, and I thought that was really well done. You know, and then a whole bunch of stuff happens in the middle. You guys can talk about that. I thought it was sad. Uh, here's what I will say in general. I love that all, each of the three characters, the three mains, definitely have their own storylines. You know, at, at different times during the season and the first season, it was a little bit more like we're all kind of one goal, but they're doing a great job of, you know, of um, giving everybody their own kind of storyline. Um, and I just want to say, though, let me say that, like, by the end of this second episode, because uh, I kind of feel like they were sort of all one, not really, but anyway, when they kid, when you find out that they have kidnapped a child and they are going to, you know, murder her in, you know, in this eyes wide shut party. Oh no, the, right? You know, yeah. Instead of clan, you know, hoods, we're wearing, you know, you know, eyes wide shut and masks. You know what I mean? And I thought, and and I was like, they're gonna do what? And I know that the show is way more serious than you think. Three girls, you know, blah, 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 witches, whatever. But, I mean, they just do not pull the punches. And when they unveiled the – I thought they were going to kill her with a guillotine, you know? And I thought, oh, my God, they're going to chop off a kid's head? And then I thought, well, at least it's going to be quick. And then you find out – then I thought it was a uh, noose and they were going to hang her. It was a noose. I was like, what? You, no, no. They, oh, they, they were going to stone her, right? Yes. Oh, and, then, right. and then I was like – wait a minute, they're going to stone her? I was like, oh, I just was like, I can't even with this show. So it is not a joke. It is definitely, the stakes are real. I cannot believe that they, you know, so so anyway, the point is, it's not a light show. It's got the drama. It's, you know, got the magic. It's a really good show. And the tension, they do the fight scenes really well. And, um, oh, and I loved when, oh, I forgot her name, but when the two, the spree and the military, you know, get together and she right. all walks up with that hair, the foxy brown hair. Oh, her hair looked amazing. Amazing. Her hair looked amazing. special effect, I swear. Yes. Oh, my God. So it's, yeah, no, it was great. I'll let you guys fill in the middle. Uh, Allison, you haven't talked in a while. Go ahead. Um, well, I loved it. I, I mean, I, and I and I agree with everything that Yusin said. You know, the thing is, you, you, you'd be inclined to think that this is going to be somewhat light because it's all, you know, oh, it's like girls and witches and they're at this college and da-da-da. And it's not at all. They, they, 
I mean, everything is basically a stand-in for racial tensions that exist now for different forms of, of homophobia and, and everything else. And this, they just kind of have magic in its place. And so when you see these, these people who are really, you know, they're, 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 they're the show's version of the clan, and they've got this little kid who they're going to stone to death. Um, you know, it, it, you can, you know what they're, what they're signaling, you know what they're, you know what they're saying. And it, be, it becomes really cleansing when they, they manage to, to get theirs in the end. You know, mm-hmm. when they, when you have, um, and I forgot, again, and I forgot her name, but the member of the spree. Stella? Um, sorry? Is it Scylla? Yes, Scylla? it um, is yes. Scylla, yeah. Um, and when she when she comes to the house, and when when oh my God. the guy wake up and you know with talking to his wife, and I'm thinking I'm not so sure that that's his, his wife, wife. <laughs> right? And that turned out not to be, and and yeah, just pencil to the ear was was pretty hardcore. Um, but you know she's she she leaves and and has a conversation with the wife because she feels some sort of sympathy for her, but not enough sympathy to, to not take out her husband. And she, well, and no, not, he needed to be taken out. He turned absolutely. over that little girl. Absolutely. Cause he's yeah. crazy. And so, so are the others, but um, you know, and, and not enough sympathy also to not have a little smile on her face when she hears that blood curdling scream behind her. Um, because she might be sympathetic on some level, but I think, you know, she's a follower of the same thing. Um, she'd be an enabler of the same thing. Um, I just, I really, really liked it. I also, I thought, you know, they get some things really brilliant on, on the show, like the train bit at the beginning of the second episode, when you see the, um, the two characters on the train with, I think she's supposed to be the, the Indian prime minister. Oh, um, right. Yeah. yeah. And the Camarilla attack by spiking the tea, and it just turns into this this tentacle black monster that takes over the train and kills everybody in it. And the the way that they did that was actually uh, really wonderfully done, special effect wise and everything. I know that they they have kind of a shoestring budget on this show, so I was impressed with with how it looked. But all of it, I think, was was just well done and made me care more about the characters. And they're not afraid of, of shading the characters, too, because the general. Oh, is man. The general killed level. all those people and was like, yeah. I don't think I need to question. I don't think you have the right to question me about nothing. And I was like, <laughs> wow. OK. But I still yeah. love the general. I don't care. I love her. Adler. Well, that's the thing. She, they're, they're willing to give this. You know, she's she's not just 100 percent good. You no. know, she's she's well, a very dark character in many ways. But I would argue she's more dark. I would argue that she will do whatever it takes to keep her witches alive. Yes. To defend her, to defend her tribe. Yeah. I, um, the moment that kind of upset me, is, and I'm glad that they referred to it in the second episode, is when Abby gets attacked at that rally when the... Um, oh, by the Camarilla. By yeah, the Camarilla. they try to cut out her voice. That, for me, was... that I found that really disturbing. And it's like, this yeah. is a show about empowering women. Let's... She needs to stop being victimized, but I like yeah. that the ghost of her ancestor told her the same thing. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She needed she needed that call. <laughs> she needed that wake up call. Um, 
And the undercover mission was fantastic. I, fantastic. Just, just enjoy, I, I'm glad. I mean, it was interesting to see these two allies, but this is definitely the enemy of my enemy is my friend, at least temporarily. Because sure. those when they, when they brought that little girl up, no. Oh, my God. These guys are freaking evil. Take them out. Yeah. And I love, as soon as she got in bed, I'm like, oh, that is so Scylla. <laughs> Take them out. Take them out. All right, we that need to move Spider-Man on. Spider-Man has been really handy. I love that's like the best trick ever. And, yeah. and I mentioned it podcasts ago, but it's really new. I mean, it's something I've never seen before. Yes, we've we've seen the you know showing up as somebody else, but it's it's such a visual you know kind of a you know impactful thing, and it keeps you know they keep doing it, and it's really important to the entire series. So yeah, I just got a props for that because. I, every time they do it, I'm like, oh, man. Yeah, well, it's creepy uh, yeah, and no. sinister the way they've yeah. chosen to do it. Cause exactly. It burns the, yes. The yeah. Yes. We got we to gotta keep moving, guys. We got one more show to talk about. Uh, and, but obviously, thumbs up. Uh, if you are not, if you're not months, watching it, if, if you're not watching it, you got to. You got to. Yeah. yeah, it's really good. All right, next up, we're going to talk about Ted Lasso, and this is the season two premiere and I'm going to start with Peter, since he might have fallen asleep. At this no, I'm, I'm here. Uh, I, uh, I'm glad you guys all like um, Motherland. I only saw the pilot last year. I thought it was okay. But I know Libby has been telling me I should check it out. So, I mean, I'm, right now I'm into Van Helsing, but it sounds like it's the kind of show that I would dig. Even if Allison, who usually hates a lot of teen stuff, likes it. So that's a good sign. Yes, they're not really teens though. It's very not teen show. Yeah, they're they're basically sure. yeah. that's the equivalent of them being in like grad school, college. Oh, they're oh, military yeah. school. They're more yeah, twenties, more like college. Yeah. More college. Yeah. But we we guys, like... we're still supposed to be talking about Ted Lasso. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought the I thought the premiere was really good. I, I felt so bad for the kicker who killed the dog. Oh, that was Daddy. oh god. <laughs> um, but I think that I think what's I'm assuming what's going on, and I will say I was a little a little nervous, is that like when you have characters, especially it shows, um, you know, characters have arcs and, and they have challenges and stuff. I've never felt that Ted would not necessarily like someone seeing a therapist. So when the character goes to a therapist and he's all like, what's with this? I was like, wait. I was like, this seems like a weird character thing. I was like, no, I was but like, they, Why? but they explain yeah. it. Yeah, they do. They kind of explain. It. I was like, okay. I was like, all right, I'll go with this. It did. I did feel like it was. They they needed to add a new little wrinkle or whatever to the character, and they came up with this. Um, but I thought it was effective overall, and I like that by the end, it looks like a lot of the teammates are now going to the therapist, which obviously I'm assuming means. He is going to eventually. Eventually, yeah. I think that's the thing. I think he kind of wants to because as cheerful yeah. as Ted is yeah, most of the time, he's got he's got some stuff that he's not dealing with. Right, he absolutely does. Although I will say the moment that, that actually kind of like teared me up, kind of weird, teared me up in a, you know, aw, kick-ass, like, that's great, was actually not about Ted. It was the scene where, um, oh, shoot, what is the manager's name? Oh, I know what you're talking about. When she owner, get, finishes owner. that date and the guy is like mediocre. Oh, no, well, no, yeah. it's not. It's the Rebecca? other scene. It's the other scene where 
they she basically they've had dinner and she asks the grumpy the guy who's just retired yeah her, that's the scene they, i'm talking about yeah oh, that's okay, rebecca yeah, and, yeah and so rebecca guy, is her name yes right rebecca's like oh he's fine and then, and then he's like he's fine you should you should be with somebody who like you know it's basically like you know you hit by lightning yeah yeah and it's just so it's just so like cool. he's such a gruff character and to have him be like you deserve so much better i was like right. Aw. i was like it's yeah. just very it's well, really he's cool. definitely a softy the show has set that up that he's hard on the outside and soft on the inside so i mean right. it was and also it, very believable Right, and then they're watching the reality show, which now has the jerk, the soccer guy. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, uh, Jamie, Jamie, Jamie Tart. Right, which Jamie is Tart, tart, tart. But I, but I, I'll let other people talk. But I, yeah, yeah, I thought it was good. I, I, I wish there was. I feel like um, Apple now because I obviously Ted Lasso's a hit, and they did Apple this with Plus. With, oh, Apple Plus, yes, they did this with um, Mythic Quest too. I feel like they used to like. This and Warner Brothers, HBO Max, used to, like, they would post two or three episodes for the premiere. So I was kind of like, wait, we only got one episode? Like, I guess it doesn't matter because we're all going to watch it, so it's fine. But I just would have liked two episodes. Um, but, yeah, I thought it was a, a, a good premiere. I don't really have any complaints or anything. Thumbs up. Right. Tom? I loved it. I just, uh, I'm a huge Ted Lasso fan, and I thought, um... Uh, Brendan, uh, the guy who plays the the assistant coach, wrote this episode. Oh, cool! Oh, really? Yeah, they do a lot of they they use a lot of actor writers. Uh, Sudeikis, Brett Goldstein, who plays Roy. Oh and yeah, also, I knew, yeah. Uh, Brendan, is it Brendan Hunt? I can't. Brendan Hunt, yeah. Brendan Hunt, Coach but, Beard. No, it was great. But for me, I adore Hannah Waddingham, and I just thought her plot line was fantastic when they when they basically. You know, when when her gal pal isn't willing to tell her the truth, <laughs> and I love the I love the girl talk scene. Ooh, sometimes girl talk means just girl listen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was fantastic. Oh that yeah, and he so got good. his fingernails. <laughs> but I, but I, I love that, that he was Roy, so excited to be part of that. I love that Roy, yeah. is the one who tells her he's not good enough for you. You deserve somebody really special. Because you're amazing, and she is. The thing is, she's been she was so beaten down right. by her ex, and we've gotten to see him, and he's a tool. But she really does deserve somebody special. And I'm wondering if they're going to ship the shrink and Ted. No, it's going to be oh, that would Rebecca. Be really it's going to be Rebecca and Ted. We'll get back to Rebecca. It's going to be Rebecca and Ted. and Ted because that's who she's looking for. She just doesn't yeah, know I mean, it yet. And I think the end game is Ted. That doesn't. I don't. I mean, the show obviously is. I didn't already going to get a third season, so it yeah, might they, be the season though. But they, that's they the plan to do three seasons. So yeah, um, Rebecca for sure is like. I feel like that's the ultimate like relationship. Um, but I don't know if that'll be this season. No, uh, I would. I would assume they'd hold it off for later. I think they need more development for both characters. Yeah, they both need to like heal. To yeah, I think yeah, they both so. need to heal. Yep. Yeah, and, and I maybe. Think is, I, go ahead. I think that you're right about Ted finally giving in to, to doing therapy because that is something that clearly he needs. I mean, yeah. we saw him have a complete meltdown um, in the last season and, and he's just holding a lot in and I can understand him being averse to, to therapists because he explains that the only one he's ever been to was the one that he did with couples therapy Correct. and it right. was really his, his wife's therapist and he felt ganged up on. 
Um, so his his experience is very bad. So he's you know, it's 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 one of these things where he's very wary of this kind of thing. But I think ultimately that's going to be his his way to heal. Right. So, I, I want to jump in um, to contrast because everybody loves the show. It was my number one show of last year. Um, I always worry about a sophomore slump. I did enjoy the premiere. It's a little hard for me to to uh, and I, but I anticipated like you couldn't even ma- imagine. You know, I mean, I had an advent calendar for you know the the <laughs> countdown to when the show was coming back. Um, so I think it was be in, almost impossible for me to be, you know, I look, I like the show, but here's the, the here, here are the points. Everything everybody said, absolutely spot on. Um, I love, love that they're continuing with the book club, you know, and Roy and, you know, just, it's a, it's a wonderful contrast to his gruffness. Uh, so that's great, everything. But so I will just talk about, and Libby, you and I talked about this, but I thought as far as like a humorous device and just kind of out there and outlandish, the killing the dog thing was funny. I get the joke. I personally think it just kind of went on too long. I just, I really was like, oh, I get it. You set it up. I totally understand why it would be scarring to him. You know what I mean? And like, I don't know. I found that just not as funny as I think they thought it it was going to be because they ran the joke a little too long for me. And yes, I'm a dog lover, but I've already said that I understand like, you know, what the absurdity of it. And it was funny. So for me overall, it wasn't as amazing as I thought it was going to be, but I think that's my own fault because I put too much pressure on, on the show. Um, So I'm incredibly still hopeful. And the last thing I will say is, of course, we did see Ted break down, but I love that they are doing, they are leaning in even more to, again, when the show first season started, I was like, I don't know if I can watch this, like, saccharine, happy-go-lucky, you know, he's going to be so annoying. And he turned out, of course, to not be, um, and he didn't tr- even turn out to be weak, you know, that scene where he's throwing the darts and he, like, you know, does that whole thing. So he's obviously incredibly smart and emotionally intelligent, um, but I, I love that they are now, you know, playing into the underbelly of him you know that he can't be so happy and positive and that you know he desperately does want to get therapy and the last thing is we'll talk about that therapist she was amazing yes. you know and yes. and you know all business and she was like are you good at your job you know and then she was like because i'm twice as good you know and i love the face she gave him when he was standing outside the door and she was swapping out patients, you know, and she just kind of looked at him, you know, and it was so layered that face, you know what I mean? I, and like, you know, I'm so good at my job. Your whole team is coming to see me and I know you want therapy. You got to come, you know, you're, you're, you better cut like all of it. I'm so glad because clearly she's going to stay on the show. Um, and so I'm really excited about that. So yeah, no, I'm definitely excited about this, this season and I did like the premiere, but I, I just had like a few niggles. I didn't think the show was as funny as I think it thought it was. It's a little self-satisfied for me, but again, it's still absolutely one of my top shows. Can't wait to see what they do with the season. All right. Uh, any other thoughts? Anybody else? Okay. Well, Tom looked like, I was like, come on, Tom. I see that look. Football is life. Football is life. <laughs> Football is also <laughs> death. Is Football is also is death. <laughs> Oh, yes, that was great. That was great. But, all right, that is, I've been going around yelling that at people. So uh, I like that we end right there. All right. right. If, if, uh, so we're saying thumbs up 
And if you have any questions or comments, you can send them to tvcampfire.gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter. We're on Facebook. You can listen to us on sci-fi.radio, uh, Weedonopolis, and iTunes. And we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Later.